I was called into a meeting, and in that meeting, I was asked specifically about my religious activities outside of work. And then they asked me <laughs> about my views on abortion. And now Infinite Burn Media with your host, Ian Michael GRT. Welcome to Infinite Burn Media. This is my first episode, folks, so it might be a little rocky. Maybe a little off kilter. But one thing I know for sure is um, I'm doing this because I can no longer remain silent. I can no longer pretend. I can no longer just watch as events happen to me and my family. I can no longer consider myself a faithful follower of Jesus Christ and just allow these things to go on without standing up and boldly proclaiming the truth of what I know from Scripture, what I know from what I can observe with my own eyes and common sense and God-given logic and rationale. And so, as I start this this journey with you, the first task at hand has really been severing what I've spent the last about 15 years of my life doing apart from serving in ministry, but working professionally in, in broadcast and digital media. And that recently ended uh, after a very productive, sometimes exciting, sometimes even enjoyable, but definitely rocky 15 years with the CBS Corporation. And so I've just open letter to CBS CEO uh, George Cheeks. And I want to, you can read the whole letter in its entirety on engiati.com or any of our uh, social platforms. But I wanted to kind of run down this letter with you and, and really really to understand that I couldn't move on unless I was very transparent about this. Because my time at CBS ended uh, abruptly. Um, it ended because I felt backed into a corner and really had no choice. And I could see where this was all going. Um, since March of 2020, the world has been bombarded with messaging about a deadly and contagious virus that if you're not careful, could claim the lives of both you and everyone you love. And while this messaging seemed scientifically possible in spring of 2020, it became clear over the ensuing weeks and months that that was not the case. And yet, the entire United States 
really from that global media establishment has pushed this narrative of you could die. When the science, when we were told to follow the science, the science has told us now you have a 99.96% survival rate. That's, folks, if you really bad at math like me, that's just about 100%. And so we suffered through this onslaught of what what it was scientific propaganda until we had some actual data. We had pontificators, politicians. We had agenda pushers from all sides of the aisle, from all ends of the political spectrum, warning us about this virus with a nearly 100% survival rate. Wringing hands as if this was the Spanish flu of 1918. As if this was Ebola ravaging, destroying families left and right. This was none of those things. They knew it. At some point early on, they knew it. And they told you that anyway. And so largely what I spent the last year and a half doing in my role, though I resisted as much as possible, is at a minimum facilitating this propaganda. And what I saw very quickly was that this virus and the reporting on this virus was done in such a way as to not only persuade business owners and employees alike from gathering and going about their daily work to produce a livelihood. It was also aimed at gatherings of all kinds, as you know. But of course, you and I may not necessarily have a quote unquote right to gather for a picnic. Let's say you and I may not have her have a, a quote unquote right to gather for a birthday party. Let's say under some sort of national emergency, whether justified or not. But at the end of the day, the conversation ended at the religious gatherings of this country and why COVID made that absolutely impossible for those called the church, namely, to gather as we're commanded to do in Scripture, to not forsake the assembling of ourselves. And so the rubber really met the road here when states like California began telling churches, hey, you're not allowed to do that. And forcing them into legal situations where, you know, Thank, thank God for brave, brave men like John MacArthur who stood up, took these issues all the way to their legal end, where we at the end realized the Supreme Court acknowledged that this is unconstitutional, that there is no mandate, quote unquote, from the state to stop the church from gathering in a peaceful manner. That does not exist. If we so choose to risk, even if, 
Ebola was ravaging our communities, if we chose the risk of gathering at the price of even death, that is our choice individually. And so we've been through this entire conversation. I'm not going to revisit it here. But what I want to do is quickly revisit my open letter to, my open email to George Cheeks, uh, president of CBS, and to outline exactly why I chose to resign um, just in the recent weeks. I started pointing to CBS's legacy of Walter Cronkite, the um, famed CBS news anchor who served from 1961 to 1982. And his signature line of that's the way it is. We would close out every broadcast with, and that's the way it is. And uh, this was a trusted newsman. This was a trusted brand um, for decades. And really what that signified was what news did at that time, which was just recollect and communicate facts of an event and distribute it over the airwaves to a mass audience. And that's all it was. And I concede as much as I'm sure anyone will, that for years CBS News was arguably the gold standard when it came to this. But... That was a long time ago. And, and as far as I'm concerned, it may, it may as well have been millennia. And so I transitioned to then this idea of the ongoing controversies um, with staffing and politicization uh, of, of the company um, and management naming up mid to upper management at CBS. Um, referencing this external investigation that was done into allegations of misconduct by leadership at the CBS stations group. Um, that was primarily um, situated in Los Angeles, at CBS Los Angeles. Um, and those allegations included everything from sexual harassment to discrimination, um, they ran the gamut. But what I do know a little bit later in my email is that they never really included any allegations of religious discrimination. This was all based on racial discrimination, which is, of course, the hot-button, controversial um, conversation of the day centered around solely race, around skin color, um, or sexual discrimination, harassment against women, namely, um, by men, um, which, of course... We're also told in the same breath that biologically, men and women are are identified by how they see themselves and not what they're born as biologically. So I, it's very confusing. But that being said, CBS has been under incredible amounts of duress um, from some lawsuits and this LA Times investigative report and all these things. And so... I kind of note that, you know, this uh, is kind of how it is at the moment. And it didn't start out this way. I started CBS in 2006 and it felt very apolitical. Um, it felt very straightforward. I was happy to be a part of, of such a well-known um, and respected brand and to just start my career really in earnest um, 
in, in, in mainstream media. Um, and so I was excited about that. But things began to change um, slowly but surely, but definitely accelerated, I would say, sometime around 2010, 2011. Um, what I saw happening was that race, the issues of sex, sexual or gender identity started coming up more and more. And um, what we saw kind of accelerate from that point climaxed, uh, you know, obviously reached a crescendo with the election of Donald Trump in 2016. Uh, and then kind of, boy, just escalated so quickly and culminated in the summer of 2020 when as the world was being told to stay home, to love your neighbor by staying away from them. To not gather for any reason because it was far too dangerous. We watched as after the death of George Floyd, we watched this country in mass storm into the cities across this nation, Los Angeles. New York, Dallas, everywhere in between. And we saw violence masquerading under First Amendment rights. We saw vandalism, property destruction, sometimes physical assault. All these things going unnamed because they were being done in the so-called a cause of racial justice. And we watched, I watched, as my own company and others winked at violence during a so-called global pandemic, a national emergency that allowed this violence to, to go on unchecked. This was being done not subtly or implicitly, it was being done overtly. And around that same time, we received a company, several company-wide emails around uh, in this month of June 2020 in regards to Black Lives Matter, um, Critical race theory, though, was not called that, of course. Uh, it was referred to as, in other terms. Um, and, and the phrase racial justice. And I reference even one company-wide email, which essentially, from George Cheeks, aligned CBS and Viacom CBS with the platform of Black Lives Matter. Quote, this is what the memo said. Quote, in one unified voice... CBS and Viacom CBS issued statements across social media. We unequivocally said black lives matter, black culture matters, black communities matter, end quote. And so these memos really too numerous to name. I, I would definitely refer you to my Substack post. You can find the link to that at engiotti.com or engiotti.substack.com. 
we saw numerous memos come through stating these talking points verbatim aligning the company with what was done in the name of Black Lives Matter, whether we like to admit it or not. It was openly done, which was property destruction, widespread violence and looting covered by the mainstream media as righteous protest, as covered under First Amendment rights, which of course they do not. The right to peacefully assemble has nothing to do with breaking windows and and stealing property and destroying property. Property rights are fundamental to this country because they're fundamental to freedom. Personal property, private property is fundamental to the American fabric. We all know this. It's understood. It's Civics 101. And yet, we're being told the exact opposite. To hold in one hand that the burning and looting of American cities was okay. Was actually righteous, pro- righteous peaceful protests. And at the same time, we are being told to stay home, to be afraid, to not gather, to close down the churches. And the people that did gather were being called selfish. And it was being called white privilege by these mainstream media organizations. Of course, aligning a media organization with a platform like Black Lives Matter is absolutely unconscionable. Not the least of of which uh, for its impact on the company's employees. Not everyone agrees. In fact, this is the same thing as mandating everyone be a Christian in a company. That's illegal and it's wrong. I say that as a born-again Christian. That is illegal and wrong. You could never mandate that. It wouldn't work. It's, it's not right. We have freedom of religion in this country and you're free to believe as you wish, presuming that belief does not inflict pain or property destruction because those are illegal. You're not allowed to murder. You're not allowed to assault. You're not allowed to steal. And so, understanding that CBS and other media companies were elevating the platform of Black Lives Matter as a coordinated stance. They were shoulder to shoulder. And this wasn't happening just in press releases. This wasn't just happening in public-facing statements. This was happening in CBS, Viacom CBS's own training and Viacom CBS's own corporate messaging. Consider that uh, the company held a uh, corporate-wide inclusion week 2020. Here are just some of the content um, providers, some of the people invited onto the platform. Robin D'Angelo, the author of White Fragility. During Viacom CBS Inclusion Week 2020, the company offered a virtual seminar on quote-unquote white fragility, a book which promotes critical race theory and attempts to incriminate an entire race of people solely based on the color of their skin, which, of course, we're told is the very definition of racism. Nicole Hannah-Jones, the creator of the um, 1619 Project, was another invited guest. During 
uh, Viacom CBS's Inclusion Week 2020, the company featured content from Jones, who had previously called the white race, quote, the biggest murderer, rapist, pillager, and thief of the modern world. Jones also told CBS News that, quote, destroying property is not violence, end quote, even as L.A. and other cities burned in the summer of 2020. And CBS News even put out a tweet with that language, essentially promoting that, that ideology, uh, certainly not attempting to refute it or call it fake news or fact-checking it. None of that was done. It was put out as a statement of, of fact. And so we have, we have these, these pieces of content put out by the company. Um, transgender ideology in corporate training. The idea of not, quote-unquote, dead naming um, those who have transitioned from one gender to another. This is ideology. This is not anything other than that. Remember, you cannot impose Christianity or any other faith on anyone at a company that's illegal. Likewise, you cannot impose an ideology on anyone at a company that is illegal. I have the right to believe as I believe. You have the right to fire me for ostensibly other reasons if you can prove that you fired me for other reasons. But you do not have the right to demand that I bow the knee to another religion or ideology because I work at your company. That's illegal. And that's what CBS and, uh, and these other media corporations are doing. CBS Los Angeles and the CBS uh, local group, which provides a lot of the digital content, even put out a story. And they were promoting an author, Robert P. Jones, who wrote a book called White Too Long, The Legacy of White Supremacy in American Christianity. Jones cited what he said was, quote, a disturbingly strong link between holding racist attitudes and identifying as a white Christian. And for context, these stories were being pumped out the same time the BLM riots were ravaging American cities. The same time business owners were left hobbled and without their livelihoods across Los Angeles and the nation. This, this is the content that was being pumped out by CBS and other media outlets. Where was the outrage? Where was the pushback? None, as far as the mainstream media was concerned. There was only one viewpoint. What was happening to the, to the world, to the country and the world was righteous. That is the burning of property and, and the harming of people in the name of racial justice. It was a righteous cause. And it did not in any way contradict the messaging that you should stay home and stay safe from a virus with a near 100% survival rate. The same kind of uh, double think was happening with the um, the uh, the shooting in Atlanta that, that killed eight people 
um, various uh, spas and massage parlors around Atlanta. CBS, within hours of the story breaking, pumped out messaging from it's Viacom CBS's uh, AMP division, Asian Americans and Pacific Islander media professionals. This has the Viacom CBS logo on it. Logo on it, and the memos essentially acknowledge while the intention of the killer is unclear. Right now is the moment to stand united with all communities. Quote with all communities of color that endure pain at the hands of white supremacy. The company in its corporate messaging had already decided who perpetrated these horrific shootings without regard to due process or even factual research and then took that messaging and pumped it out to its employees. Months later, when everything had died down, CBS News quietly put out a little post that said, oh yeah, quote, neither local authorities nor the FBI uncovered any evidence of a history of bigotry or racism against any ethnic group by the suspect, who, of course, was Caucasian. So, put another way, Viacom CBS used unconfirmed information for its corporate messaging to prematurely condemn a broad swath of its employees, namely white people, simply for the color of their skin. This is unconscionable. And it went on without seemingly any pushback, at least none that I saw. I wanted to speak out. I was confounded by what I saw. But I was afraid for my job. And I really thought that if I said anything, that was it for me. Because I had already been targeted and and harassed by management for my faith. It had already happened. So I was fearful for losing my job. And like I say in the letter, I now deeply regret that fear. So... It's not just the corporate messaging. It's not just the corporate platforms. It's not just the training, the, the inclusion weeks and all of that. But I've shared this story um, before. I'm going to share it now publicly with you. Um, in the summer of 2018, sorry, the summer of 2019, um, I was called into a meeting um, with my immediate supervisor and our news director. I had no idea what the meeting was about. Um, I went in blind. And in that meeting, I was asked specifically about my religious activities outside of work. I had recently done a podcast with another Christian brother and um, we had talked about all sorts of topics informed by our faith and it went great. I'm not sure how any of these, either of these managers came across this. It did not get a million views or anything. It didn't go viral, but somebody, somebody was looking, somebody was watching and somebody pounced 
at what they thought was an opportune moment. And they asked me about this podcast. And then they asked me (laughs) about my views on abortion. They asked me about one of the most deeply held beliefs that I have. According to my faith. According to the trust I have in the word of God and the revealed truth of Jesus Christ in it. About what the Bible says about life. About when it begins. And how God views this. I was asked about that in a company meeting with two of my bosses. Needless to say, I was um, highly disturbed after this meeting. Um, I jotted down some quick notes. I then asked human resources, you know, is this okay? Is this all right? What, what just happened here? And HR blew me off, essentially. Um, we took some meetings. Um, my boss tried to do other things to target me, my job performance, uh, subsequent to that meeting. Um, and then even a corporate HR rep, when I brought this all up to them, after I was reported for, again, expressing my religious views on social media. These are constitutionally protected views. Whether the company allows them or not, that's going to be for the, for the corporate legal people to decide if, how far they want to push it. But these are constitutionally protected views. When I expressed those views, I was outed again by someone on our staff, someone I managed. And I had to reiterate this experience with management in which CBS took zero action. And I was later told, after this issue was escalated, that the matter was closed, no harm, no foul, nobody did anything wrong, let's move on. Oh, and if I have any issues with my employees, as a manager, I'm to take it up with them. (laughs) I was left on on my own after complaining about obvious and pointed discrimination by a management person who, by the way, had been named by name in these LA Times investigative reports uh, related to to other uh, alleged uh, discrimination harassment at the company. This person was already embroiled in all that. But see, it didn't fit the context. See, the, the context in those reports was about sexual discrimination. Remember, the Me Too campaign was in full swing at this point and so if it wasn't sexual or racial they don't want to hear about religious discrimination that's no, no, we're good who complains about religious discrimination the vast majority guess which color skin they have guess which religion it is those are the people who are now being isolated marginalized called out simply for their skin color and their beliefs white Christians let's be honest that's who this group is that's being marginalized 
in this corporate agenda. This really all came to a head in the summer of 2020. I saw the coverage. Like countless Americans, I'm reading from my letter here. I watched dumbstruck as CBS and other mainstream media outlets spoke out of both sides of their collective mouths. On one hand, defending the First Amendment rights of BLM quote-unquote protesters to violate mandated social distancing in order to vandalize, burglarize, loot, and destroy local businesses in the midst of a so-called deadly pandemic, while at the same time we were being told that small businesses that defied those orders or people of faith who gathered for church on Sunday We're contributing to potential super spreader events and we're being demonized by these same media outlets. This went on unchecked in editorial meetings, at the, uh, in the newsroom. It just was presumed as normal. And this really came after a wave of the fake news backlash. Remember, starting in around 2016 when Hillary Clinton coined the term fake news and it was adopted by Donald Trump and then his supporters began using that and it kind of took hold and it became what the media saw pejorative. But originally, the media was happy to use that phrase because, again, it began with Hillary Clinton, a Democratic icon. It's only when Trump and his supporters began using that term that it became this, oh, well, this talking point, right? This quote-unquote Republican talk, as if has anything to do with Republican or Democrat. All right, so what, what, what's your point? Well, look, I, I would point you definitely to this memo. Uh, this open letter that I, I, I put out. Um, but Americans need to understand that CBS and other legacy media as a whole have failed to reckon with the fast-moving changes. And not only, first, how Americans consume content. I, we, I saw this firsthand for over a decade. In the digital department, we're 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 pushing for digital first guys everyone's on social everyone's on on digital this is the way we need to really focus our efforts the company wouldn't even think about it until the mid 2010s so legacy media failed to reckon with this movement for years for in first how americans consume content but in also how the majority of americans view their own country not as an already perfect union but hopeful that despite our many challenges, all the many problems that we face, that we can and should continue to strive toward a more perfect union. That's why people come here. For the idea of America. And yes, because America first and foremost was founded in the pursuit of religious freedom as a means of of, of pushing back against those monarchical tyrants 
who suppressed the free expression of, of religious freedom. That's what this is all about. And I'm sorry if you're not a believer in Christ. I'm sorry if you're not a particularly religious person, whatever the faith may be. But the facts are neither good nor bad. The facts just are. They are ideologically neutral. And the fact of the matter is, this country, the pilgrims that you celebrate every Thanksgiving, well, well, instead of watching football, what the idea behind the holiday is originally is, these pilgrims, which is a word used, it's a biblical word used in the Bible to describe Christians. Pilgrims and sojourners, the Apostle Peter called us. Pilgrims. This country was founded by Christians in the pursuit of religious freedom. And whether you share any religion at all, any faith at all, whether you believe that a God exists or not, that is a fact. It is fundamental to the American fabric. It is who we are. And so I'm convinced personally that the civil rights battle of our time, as it was in the 60s for, um, for, for those seeking voting rights, for those seeking their own equality as they perceived it, I believe the fight of our lifetime is going to be a battle not for equity, quote-unquote, which we'll get to another time. It's not the same thing as equality. Not for equity, not for inclusion, quote-unquote. The great civil rights battle of our time is, are you ready? Religious freedom. A right that comes from God, not government, not the left, not the right, not Congress, not the White House, but from God himself, and without which the United States of America would not exist. And so that essentially is the the crux of my email to CBS, to Viacom CBS, my my open letter, asking that if those other people, other believers in the company have if they've suffered any kind of, you know, discrimination of any kind, to reach out. Visit me at iangiotti.com or on my, any of my platforms or, or follow my Substack. Email me. However you can reach out. However you can reach out. Because this, this is the fight of our time. So I invite all my colleagues, my former colleagues at CBS, my former colleagues in the media industry, share your stories with me. You can email me at cbsdiscriminates at engiati.com. You can visit my website, engiati.com, for more info. I would, it would be a privilege to hear from you, to hear about your experiences. Because I know it's not only me. I know there are others out there. And so that's, that's what this... That's what this podcast is going to be about. That's what this platform is going to be. It's going to be fighting this battle. 
I hope you'll join me. Because this is the battle of our lifetime.